Welcome to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5, where you live with passion, make a difference, and come alive. This show is about you, your life, your impact, and your legacy. Now your hosts, John and Rena. Welcome to the Impact Hour. Today, we're titling this episode, What Love Looks Like. So when we want to go out and make an impact in the world, who we're being and how we're showing up makes a huge difference. So we could try to make a focused impact on the world, but if we're not showing up really good, we're not showing up fully expressing love to the people we're serving, that will be sensed by the people that we're, we're working with, and they can tell. So if we want to make a big impact on the world, how we're showing up and the way we express love makes a big difference. Of course, it also makes a big difference to, to be as loving as we can in relationships. And relationships can be pretty challenging. And we're going to talk today kind of about those two different parts of loving people. The first we're going to talk about is how you express love to people where you're making an impact on the world, people you're serving. How does real good love look like in that capacity? And then we'll also talk about you know, what does it look like just to be in relationship and what does real good love look like there. So we'd love to hear from you today. So if you would like to share some of your best tips on having better relationships and expressing love in relationships, in particular, if you've been married for 20 years or more, I'm guessing you have some pretty good advice. I'd love to hear from you. You can call the show at 866-576-1055. Again, 866-576-1055. Would love to hear your best tips on having awesome relationships. I wanted to start out with a story that I wrote kind of a while ago. Someone else had something kind of similar, similar style, and it inspired me. And I've, I've shared this with you before, but I thought it would be good to revisit today. This is a story I wrote. <clears throat> it's a fictional story. Today, I fell into a pit. At first, I didn't want to call for help. What would people think if they found me in the pit? So I just waited a while to see if my situation would change. It didn't. I let out a little help. Maybe someone would notice. Eventually, someone came by, noticed me in the pit, and told me that I shouldn't have fallen into the pit. Someone else also took notice and told me he was glad that he hadn't fallen into the pit. Yet another told me that he thought he was better than me because I was in the pit and he wasn't. Another came by to tell me that there was no pit and, if things, uh, and things would be better if I would just change my attitude. After pondering my situation a bit, someone came by with a ladder. He lowered the ladder but couldn't let me climb up. Instead, he insisted that he come down and carry me up out of the pit. After carrying me out, he told me that I was a poor, poor person who couldn't help but fall into pits. He hit me with this ladder as he turned to leave, and it knocked me back into the pit. I think, accidentally. I don't know where the man with the ladder went. I think I overheard him saying something about celebrating another pit rescue with some friends. I'd still like to be out of the pit. Someone came by and threw down some food and blankets into the pit. I was grateful for the food and warmth, but I'm still in the pit. Finally, someone came by and told me that I can get myself out of the pit if I was willing. He'd explain how. I said, yes, of course. He explained that if I will push my feet against the opposite sides of the walls, I can inch each foot up one after the other until I'm out of the pit. 
This way, if I'm in a similar pit again, I can get myself out. He waited, watched, and guided me as I got out of the pit. Now I don't have to fear such pits anymore. I think that's a great illustration of all the different things we see and how people respond and react uh, when we're struggling with something. And maybe some of you can relate to some of these things from the story about how people have responded. And it's really not there to really blame anyone in particular, but just to kind of highlight what really helps and what perhaps is not quite so helpful. One of the things about loving people really great when we're trying to, to be of service to others is being aware of and addressing the real need and then also maybe possibly the apparent need. An example of this comes from the Bible, of all places, where there was a paralyzed man. So this is from Mark chapter 2. It says, Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man, or the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now that seems like an odd kind of story. A lot of people look at that or read that and go, well, that's weird. A couple of things are weird about it. Of course, you know, tearing apart a roof to get a guy through that, that's, that's pretty bold. Um, definitely very bold. Uh, but the, I think one of the surprising things that most people look at is he, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Because that's not why the man was lowered into the room. The man was lowered into the room because he was paralyzed. They wanted him to be healed. But Jesus saw that his deeper need was he needed to be forgiven. Now, this is not to imply that he was paralyzed because of his sin. That's not what this is about. This is about Jesus seeing that there was an apparent need, but then there was also a deeper, real need at issue that needed to be addressed. And he addressed the deeper need first. If you read the story and, and read it further on, you'll notice he also addressed the paralysis that the guy had, but that wasn't the first thing he addressed. When we were helping people, a lot of, of our, the ways we engage and help people out, a lot of times it's really just addressing apparent needs. It's just addressing the surface. And there can be a lot of reasons for that, but just want to encourage you to take a, a look at the deeper needs and the deeper issues that are going on. In the person you're serving, what do they really need versus what does it just appear that they need? Sometimes what they say they want or what they need is actually not what's good for them. So the example that I've heard a lot is, you know, if you give a drunk a drink, you know, the drunk is very grateful that you gave him a drink, but it's really not all that helpful for him uh, to be stuck in that addiction. And so in that case, addressing deeper needs uh, instead of the apparent need would be what would be required or what would be more loving. One of the things to be aware of when we are helping people is there's a, a something to talk about in the seven habits of highly effective people. And they call it the production versus the production capacity. So the production capacity is our ability to produce, and the production is what is produced. And so as it applies to this situation, our production is the love and service that we are providing to people, 
and the production capacity then is our ability to provide that. So if we are draining ourselves in order to serve people, we could be hurting our production capacity, our ability to serve in the future. So for this to, to work out, uh, you would want to guard your production capacity. And we talked about this a little bit in a couple episodes ago when we talked about self-care. Just, I think it was two episodes ago, we talked about self-care and how important self-care is in, in our ability to be of service to other people. This means that we have to set up some good boundaries. We have to know when to say yes and when to say no and to realize when our capacity is being drained. And it's not just our physical capacity to serve, but it could be emotional and energy capacity as well. You know, in our serving of other people, could we be building up resentment around that? Well, that's hurting our capacity to just serve as an example. So loving is guarding our ability to love in the future. So we're going to go to a break. You've been listening to the Impact Hour. We'll be right back. What if the ladder you're climbing is leaning against the wrong wall? Is that bucket list getting bigger and bigger? Where are your passions hiding? You are here to create an authentically empowered life. There's nothing more fulfilling than living your life's purpose every day. Find your calling and live a legacy that lasts for generations. Start your journey today by scheduling your discovery session with John and Rena, hosts of the Impact Hour, every Wednesday on Money 105.5. Go to theimpacthour.com to schedule your complimentary session today. Now back to the Impact Hour with John and Rena on Money 105.5. Welcome back to the Impact Hour. Today we are talking about what love looks like. We've been talking a little bit about uh, what it looks like to serve other people, because when we serve other people, that certainly is a form of love. But what can it look like uh, to serve people really well and to really love people well? want to mention that if, if you would like to hear some of our previous episodes, if you've missed an episode in the past, you can check it out on theimpacthour.com. You can go there. There's a whole list of all of our past episodes there. If you'd like to take us with you on the road or where you go in your favorite podcast application, you can find us uh, on the iTunes podcast app as well as Google Play and other places. Uh, it's kind of nifty. We've got a thing on our website where you can just click a button and it opens it up in your app on your phone or whatever device you're using uh, right in the app itself. Or it also has uh, some directions there if you have some other kind of uh, podcast player, podcast catcher or something that you'd like to use. So when we help people out, when we are in service to them, um, there's kind of this uh, dynamic that can take place, and there's, there's two kind of categories of ways to help people, or two categories of areas to help people in, I guess it'd be more accurate to say. And so there is doing for people what they can't do for themselves, and doing for people what they can do for themselves. So sometimes we end up helping somebody in an area that they already really can do for themselves. I'm not saying it would be easy necessarily, but it's something that they actually have the capacity to do for themselves. 
and oftentimes when we do this, when you do something for them that they can do for themselves, it has kind of uh, some negative side effects to that. Now, this is not everything in life. We're talking about kind of being of service to people. So Rena and I were talking a little bit about, you know, what about holding the door open for somebody? You know, they can open the door for themselves. But we're not holding the door open for them as a way to help them. And uh, I think if they thought it was a way to help them, they might actually be upset. Uh, but when you hold the door open for somebody, it's a courtesy. It's, it's a way of honoring them. And, and most people will recognize that and say thanks. You know, they're not just not having negative side effects because it's not, not the message that, hey, you know, I'm going to hold this door open for you because you need this help. But when you help somebody in an area where, where they can do it themselves, it actually has a negative emotional consequence on them. The message that they're getting is that they're helpless, that they can't do this thing for themselves, and they need our help. And so some of examples um, kind of of this is um, kind of Rena, Rena had some really good examples. You know, she's uh, legally blind. She has... Uh, have a hard time seeing, although she does have some sight. Uh, she does use a cane uh, to help get around to make sure that uh, she doesn't bump into things or kind of be aware where the curb is and so forth. And she can use the cane quite well. And there's only just a few few areas, few things that kind of gets her. Usually it's like when there's low-hanging branches, you know, her cane's not up in the air to catch that sort of thing. But if she can sense it on the ground anywhere, she can go upstairs, downstairs, all over the place, you know, find a table, go and sit and do pretty much whatever she needs to do there. And if people offer help and assistance, she appreciates that sometimes. And uh, she'll say, you know, thanks. And sometimes she'll accept the, the offer of assistance if, if it looks like it might be difficult to navigate around somewhere. But other times she's had people that come in and they just grab her arm and they just start leading her somewhere. And she finds that pretty offensive. They didn't ask her if she wanted help. They just assumed. They, they jumped in and did for her what she could do for herself. And it doesn't come across very nice at all. And, and a lot of times when we provide a help, it can actually come across that way, where the receivers of our help, of our service, are somewhat offended because we've jumped in and done for them what they know they already can do for themselves. Or they receive the message that, hey, we're telling them they're a poor, poor person who can't do this thing. And, and sometimes they believe it. and That's not a great message to receive. Sometimes the way this takes shape is if we're providing support for a community. So we saw an example in a documentary uh, quite a while ago where they just started providing solar panels for electricity uh, in this community. But there was a company, a local company there, already providing solar panels and solar-powered lighting. And so they had all this solar power come in just being donated. And they're like, well, now what do I do? And their, and their business had to close down because suddenly all, this thing, all the, you know, these, these solar panels which they were selling was now being saturated in the market. And, and they couldn't sell them anymore. So a lot of times when we do for a community what they can do for themselves, it can have unintended consequences and side effects as well. So a, another example might be a very simplistic example, but maybe to help you get this idea here is suppose your kid is struggling with his homework 
and uh, maybe he's pretty frustrated by it. And so as a parent, you step in and do the homework for them. Now, I know some parents have done this. Um, we don't do this for our kids because we believe that they are supposed to do the homework themselves and they are supposed to have the ability to do it. We may ask questions and help them try to figure it out, uh, but they, we leave the homework to do on their own, even if perhaps we support a little bit. And if we do the homework for the kids, then it actually can create a dependence and this can often happen too when we provide help for somebody in an area where they really should be doing it themselves, it can create a dependence. And so if our kid gets the help on this homework and then we help them, and uh, you know, example we gave to one of our kids, you know, what if they cheat on a test? And so they didn't really know how to do the work in the test and then so they pass the test and then they're giving harder work or her, you know, work that's, that's based on what they should already know and now they're getting further and further behind. And now they're more and more dependent on help doing the homework and, and more dependent on cheating on the test. And so that's an example of where the help actually can harm somebody. A really good example of the opposite, providing great support and assistance for somebody is mentoring. So a good mentor doesn't do for a person. A good mentor or coach is someone who helps somebody evaluate, helps them think through things, uh, asks really good questions, but the person is still always doing the work that they wanna be doing on their own with the support of the mentor. The mentor now is providing something that they really couldn't do on their own. Most people can't mentor themselves very well, uh, but the mentor stepping in provides someone a good sounding board, a person who encourages them, uh, maybe believes in them when nobody else will, and that sort of thing. And that's a good example of a support and not just stepping in and doing for the person. So love is supporting rather than doing for and doing for them only what they can't do themselves. I wanted to address um, another Bible verse. There's a, a verse in James that says, Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And a lot of people look at this verse and say, Look, see, we're supposed to be giving clothes and we're supposed to be giving food. And, and sure, and that, and that is true, but I think there's a deeper truth in this verse than just giving clothes and food. I think the deeper truth in this verse talks about meeting a person's uh, whole needs rather than just meeting the surface needs. So, you know, just saying, you know, be fed and warm isn't really providing for their real needs. It's not doing a whole lot at all in this example. And I think also it's true that if we just address the immediate needs, but we don't help with the underlying problem, we're kind of doing the same thing. We're, we're skipping over what's really needed and just giving something really simple. So if we tell somebody, I'll pray for you, but we know that we can help them with their deeper need and don't do anything, you know, are we leaving them kind of in a bad place? So maybe a person has heard from maybe even their parents their whole life, you pile of trash, why can't you get with the program? 
maybe what they really need is for someone to believe in them, but we give them clothes. Are we really addressing the real need, or are we just addressing something on the surface? Keep in mind, as we mentioned earlier, Jesus addressed the paralytic's deeper need first. It says that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, And I know for me, I'm interested in deeper solutions for myself. So I know in the past I've been, uh, in 89, there was a pretty big earthquake and our house collapsed in the earthquake. And I was without uh, a home for a while. I was living with my parents at the time. And uh, we were kind of, kind of drifting from place to place for a while until we found a place to land. And we had people just give us stuff. And, and part of it, it might be just pride and ego, but a lot of times accepting that stuff is hard. It's, you know, giving you clothes. Well, I had clothes, but they gave clothes and they wanted to feel good about doing something for us. So they just gave clothes. And, and while we were appreciative of the sentiment, it, it just kind of felt a little bit icky. And what we really needed at that time was a quiet place that uh, was not next to the train tracks <laughs> and uh, a place where people would just be there with us as we went through our recovery experience from the trauma of the whole earthquake and all of that. But they gave us bags of clothes. So that's kind of my experience around that. And uh, I don't know, take, take that for what that is. <laughs> so love is addressing deeper needs than just the obvious ones. Now, one of the things that can come when we're, we're of service to other people, we want to help do things and make a difference in the world, is it can be pretty darn overwhelming seeing all the needs in the world. You know, we see needs uh, where people are needing good, clean drinking water, and there's sex trafficking, and there's hunger, all these different places, and, you know, all these needs. There's inner city, you know, families and kids, and you just see it in the news all the time, and it can just feel really overwhelming. Like, how can I possibly help in all these areas? And my recommendation is to not try to fix everything for everyone in all those different areas. There's just no way one person can focus on all of that at once. And I think you'll make a much bigger impact on the world, make a much bigger difference if you go and focus in one area that you really care about. It's really important to you. So if things get tough, you're still going to go for it. Nothing's really going to stop you from finding a way to make a really good difference in that area. So find that one area that works for you and just dive in into one area. And you'll make the biggest impact rather than trying to do a small, small help all these different places. It's kind of like, you know, you have your oil field and you go out and you drill one foot in 50 different places and you don't ever really get oil, but you did a lot of drilling. But if you were just to drill in one spot, really deep, thousands of feet, you would get to the oil. And that's like it, what it would be like if you just focus in one area and make a big impact in that one area. So we'd love to hear from you. 
As I mentioned before, if you have some any great tips on what what makes a great relationship, what it's like to really love somebody, especially those of you who've been married for 20 years or more, we'd love to hear from you and what you've learned, what makes great relationships. You can call the station at 866-576-1055. That is 866-576-1055. And next, we're going to talk more about the relationship side of things. What does it take to make a really great relationship? What does love really look like there? And it can be really hard. Relationships are tough, and we'll get into it. We're going to go to a break, and we'll come right back to it. Business decisions can be daunting. A.L. Harvey Law is here to assist you with everyday transactional and litigation needs, from choosing between a corporation or an LLC to creating and negotiating contracts, handling employee disputes, employee handbooks, and wage questions, all the way through partnership dissolutions and buying out a shareholder. A.L. Harvey Law cares about providing you with exceptional service so you can relax and get to business. Go to alharveylaw.com or call 530-217-3500. If you ever find yourself without a flushing toilet, no hot water for showering, dripping faucets, or gas leak, call Armstrong Plumbing, 916-367-4934. They can help you with the best service available at a fraction of the cost of other companies. Thanks to recent technologies in the plumbing industry, Armstrong Plumbing has taken the lead and can repair your broken sewer and water pipes or even gas leaks. They will give you accurate estimates that are guaranteed to solve your plumbing problems, or they will fix it for free. Armstrong Plumbing utilizes the industry's latest advancements in trenchless technologies, such as pipe bursting, hydrojetting, cured in-place pipelining, and directional boring. And they can solve your problems at a fraction of the cost of other companies. They want to save you time, money, and prevent property damage. See the 700-plus great reviews on armstrongplumbing.net. Then call Armstrong Plumbing, a name you can trust for more than 50 years. 367-4934. 367-4934. There is always something good happening at Waldo Bowers Flooring Showroom at 2300 Broadway. And right now, Mirage Hardwood Flooring is offering a cash rebate where you can save up to $500 on your Mirage Flooring purchase, but only for a limited time. Shaw Marks Anything Goes Carpet with the best 20-year no-mat, no-crush warranty in the industry. Torture tested time and time again in places like the Hong Kong Airport still has a reduced rate. The new waterproof technology is now available in luxury vinyl, tile, and plank. And specialty natural flooring products like cork, bamboo, and wool carpet have their own displays. And as always, any flooring product in stock, carpet, hardwood, vinyl, laminate, and LVPs, LVTs, have a special price. 0% financing is available on approved credit. Waldo Bowers, excellent customer service, professional installation, and affordable prices. Why would you go anywhere else? Online at waldobowersfloorcovering.com or call 451-0114. 451-0114. Two Men in a Truck believes every mom should be celebrated on Mother's Day. So once again, Two Men in a Truck of Sacramento and Weave have partnered together to create Movers for Moms, a donation drive providing essential items to moms living in shelters on Mother's Day. To find out how your organization or school can get involved, call Two Men in a Truck at 916-852-7411 or go to twomenandatruck.com forward slash movers for moms to find a location near you. What if the ladder you're climbing is leaning against the wrong wall? 
Is that bucket list getting bigger and bigger? Where are your passions hiding? You are here to create an authentically empowered life. There's nothing more fulfilling than living your life's purpose every day. Find your calling and live a legacy that lasts for generations. Start your journey today by scheduling your discovery session with John and Rena, hosts of the Impact Hour, every Wednesday on Money 105.5. Go to theimpacthour.com to schedule your complimentary session today. Live with passion, make a difference, and come alive. This is the Impact Hour with John and Rena on Money 105.5. Welcome back to the Impact Hour. Today, we are talking about what love looks like. We've been talking a little bit about what, it, what love looks like when we are in service to other people, when we are out making a focused impact on the world. What does that look like? And we're transitioning here into what does love look like in relationship. Now, I'm kind of presenting these as two separate things, but they're really not all that separate. If you're out making a focused impact on the world and relationally you're struggling, that will be hard. It'll be hard to have a real genuine deep impact in the lives of other people if the relational side of things is not going as great as it could. So the relationship piece is really essential. And I want you to know that this is an area that Rena and I are still working on. And I imagine we will always be working on this area because there's so many different nuances and traps and pitfalls we can all fall into. And uh, it's, it can be a challenge uh, to be in relationship and we could be saying and doing the things that we believe are, are loving and right. And the other person could be completely receiving it differently than the way we intend. And that's a part of the challenge of great relationships. So one of the things to mention here is that in relationships, uh, there's different parts of ourselves as we engage with people. And one part of ourself is kind of the ego. This is kind of like, you know, Freud's idea of the ego, the self. And one of the things that Rena and I have noticed is that if we approach each other with our egos, and I come to her and I say something from my ego, she feels like she must resist. And when she comes to me from her ego, I feel like I must resist, and it's not great. So a big part of it is coming from a different place. Who we're being as we interact with people makes a huge difference. It's more important than what we say. What we say can be pretty hard, but if we say it from the right place, it'll be well-received. But we can say the nicest things from a bad place and it's not well received hardly at all. So we always encourage people to work on themselves. We've been working on ourselves. We have our own coaches. We've done lots of seminars and workshops ourselves to work on ourselves so that we come from a great place. And we have not mastered it yet. We are still working in this area. Some of the things we've noticed that happens in relationships and sometimes it comes subconsciously just comes out this way, but we see these things, I've seen these in myself as well, is uh, like interrupting. And you can be talking to somebody and, and we can interrupt them because we're so excited about the next thing we want to say, we just jump in and just, just uh, run right over them verbally. And that's not great, of course. There can be other forms of interruptions as well. And one of the biggest interrupters today is the cell phone. 
And so our phone goes buzz, buzz, and we pick it up and we look at it, and we've just let the phone interrupt our interaction with somebody. And it happens so many times, and I'm guilty of this. It goes buzz, buzz, and I want to know what's, what's on the phone. And the other person wants to know what's on there too. So it just totally interrupts what we were talking about. But it's not great for relationships. There's a subtle message that, you know, you're not as important as this phone is over here, at least not the message that we received on it. And there's no real reason why the person who sent the message in the first place is more important than the person in front of us, but we treat it that way. And the other person can feel that message come through that, hey, you're not as important. Another area of, of uh, relationships that can hinder relationships is the need to be right. It just comes with language, with I agree or I disagree. So the person says something and we jump in and go, oh, I agree. And then we say something else. Or they say something and they say, oh, I disagree. Or no, that's not right. And we start correcting what they were saying. Or I've even done it myself where mostly they're right, but there was some small subtle detail that wasn't quite right. And I felt like I needed to correct that. And man, that is really damaging to relationships. And we get so caught up in it, just trying to, to be right. And sometimes this can come from a, a deep place inside ourselves, the need to be validated, the need to be approved of and accepted. And so we're wanting that validation, that acceptance from the other person, and we're trying to get that by proving them that we're right. And it totally doesn't work. <laughs> it just, it, it harms their relationship. I don't know if you've ever been with somebody and no matter what you say, they're correcting. They're saying, oh, that's not right. Oh, it's this way. And oh, I, I disagree. Or even the opposite side, if I agree with that and I agree with this other thing, you know, it's almost like you're on a game show and you say something and it either gets that ding, 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 got it right or eh, got it wrong. What kind of relationship is that? It's not great. So really encourage you to take a, take a look at that. I've heard the phrase, you can, you know, either be right or, or you can have, a, you know, a better relationship with somebody and, and be, you know, accepted and loved and, and be with the other person. So you can be right or you can be happy. And, and sometimes those two are at odds with each other. <clears throat> the other thing I've seen uh, frequently, as bad as it sounds, it comes up a lot. And that's treating people like objects. And of course, nobody wants to be treated like an object. This can also come up when serving people, trying to make our focused impact, where the people we're serving are a project. So I know Arena and I had experience with this, where we were helping in a group home. We were down there for a week. This group home was some special needs people. And uh, we were there. We helped serve meals and took them to a water park and you know did some different things there. And we didn't call them Jane or Bruce or, you know, whatever their names were. We called them the residents. You know, they had their own label. And it was almost like they weren't real people. They were just the residents. They, they were our project that we were helping out with. And, of course, I'm not proud of that, the way that happened. Um, you know, I was pretty young at the time and, and just wasn't as aware at the time. But 
they became a project to us. They weren't real people. And that can happen pretty frequently, I think, when we're serving a community, when we're helping out. You know, they're, they're the object of our service. They're not a real person. Other places this can happen is like when you're getting on the airplane. You know, when you're getting on, people are standing in line. Are those people in the way? Or are they just other people with hopes and dreams and fears just like us? You know, are we just trying to navigate through the plane and we're thinking mostly of, of what we need? Or are we thinking about other people have needs as well? You know, if, some, if there's a couple and they've been separated with their seats, are we happy to give up our seat even though we got that special aisle seat we originally wanted because maybe that couple's needs to sit together is stronger than our need to sit in the aisle? Or are we seeing them as just, you know, they're a problem now because now they're asking to switch seats? What about in traffic? When we're on the road and we're out there driving, are the other drivers just a problem in the way, making us get, take longer to get to our destination? Or are they real people too? I know Rena says she rides with a lot of people and she sees a lot of different kind of drivers. And uh, I really appreciate a lot when she says it feels so much nicer driving and riding with me. I'm pretty chill about this. Um, I know I've been on the road and I've been spacing out and suddenly I see my exit and oh, there it is. Oh man, I gotta get over you know, a couple lanes to get off on the exit. You know, and I, I check the mirrors and go, oh, it looks like it's open and get over. And, you know, maybe maybe it's a little close and someone gets upset. But uh, if I see someone else doing something similar, I don't assume they're an idiot. And what's wrong with them? I go, oh, yeah, I've done that. And I have some grace around it. But in a lot of folks, you know, they arrive at their destination and they are emotionally worked up just by the traffic. And those other drivers probably are not real people to them in that situation. They're just a problem they have to deal with. Or online. I've seen this a ton. And it's getting worse, in my opinion, where we're not really talking to each other online. You go on to some website or on Facebook where there's comments and replies and comments and replies. And oftentimes it resorts to, oh, well, you're just an idiot because you think this way or you don't care about people or all these, these, uh, these criticisms and character assassinations. And do, they, do people, when they post comments like that, think about the other person at the end is a real person? Or are they just trying to squash a political view? Are they treating the other person like an object? In the workplace, if you're an employer, are your employees people? Or are they just units of production to you? And one of the deepest wounds a person can receive is being treated like a non-person for a long period of time. So we have to go to a break. We will come right back to this. You've been listening to the Impact Hour. What if the ladder you're climbing is leaning against the wrong wall? Is that bucket list getting bigger and bigger? Where are your passions hiding? 
You are here to create an authentically empowered life. There's nothing more fulfilling than living your life's purpose every day. Find your calling and live a legacy that lasts for generations. Start your journey today by scheduling your discovery session with John and Rena, hosts of the Impact Hour, every Wednesday on Money 105.5. Go to theimpacthour.com to schedule your complimentary session today. You're listening to the Impact Hour on Money 105.5. Know your impact. Make it great. Welcome back. We've been talking about what love looks like, and lately we've been talking about what it looks like in relationships, and been giving a lot of negative examples, things that can get in the way of the relationship. And towards the end here, I'll talk about what does it look like for it to be not negative, but to be really positive. But really want to highlight some of the things that we do, maybe even subconsciously, we're not thinking about it, that might be harming the relationship. One of the things that can happen is thinking about what we want to say while the other person is talking. We want to get our rebuttal in. And so we hear a few words of what they've said, and we assume what their message is, and we get ready. We're going to respond to that message that we think we heard, and we're thinking about what we want to say, and we're not even hearing the words that they're using. At this point, we're all inside our heads. And we're getting ready to come out with, with our, our treaties or whatever you want to call it, our, our argument for here's why this is why I think this way. And a lot of times this stems from, like we mentioned before, wanting to be validated by the other person. We want to be heard. We want to be seen and understood. And a lot of times it gets to where we say what we want to say louder and louder and more frequently because we haven't really heard an acknowledgement to the other person that they hear that and understand that. And so we say it again and we say some more and we assume what they're saying and respond to it by saying our piece some more. And we're so concerned about getting our own need met that we're not providing it for the other person. This is one of the areas where I think we can really grow a whole lot in is learning to really listen to what the other person has to say. And it goes deeper than just what it is they're saying, what is their message, but what is underneath the message? Why are they saying the message? What are they feeling? What are they afraid might happen? What are their hopes? What are their dreams? We don't get to that level. We just hear the words they say and we respond. But usually the words they're saying aren't really the thing that's going on at all. Usually. What's going on is something deeper, and in response to this deeper thing going on, they say these words that they're telling us, but we're not getting to the deeper thing. There's a documentary on Netflix, might be other places as well, called Insay, and it's really kind of about intuition, and, uh, and there was a segment in there, uh, this, this woman, Marina, I'm probably not going to pronounce it right, it's Abramovic, the way I see it spelled, probably not pronounced right, uh, but she had this segment in the show. She was showcased in a segment in the show where she had a place where she would just sit and people would line up to go sit in front of her. And she would sit and she would take in the person and she would not say anything whatsoever at all. But she was just putting her full presence in that moment and just taking in and connecting with the person non-verbally and just taking in the person 
and connecting at more of an emotional, spiritual level. And the amazing thing is people would sit there and they'd be in tears because they'd never had someone just take them in and accept them like that ever before. So a part of deep connecting is not even saying the right thing. It's being fully present for the person and receiving them in a way that maybe they've not been received before. So that, I think, is an awesome example of what it's like to be loving for a person and really listening. One of the other mistakes we can make in relationships is interacting with people only according to what they'll bring for us. So it's only based on what we get. So if it looks like you know they can provide us something, maybe they can be a client, or they've got something we want, we'll talk to them. Otherwise, we don't want to waste the time. And that's sometimes a certain amount of that probably is necessary because we don't have time to talk to everybody all the time. But if that's a consistent pattern throughout your life, you're only interacting with people according to what you can get from them, you're probably not being a full expression of love for people that you're interacting with. And it can look like tuning out, not engaging, not even approaching the person. And so maybe you've been with somebody and you've been talking with them and suddenly you could tell they're not with you anymore. They've tuned out. They're thinking about something else. They're looking at something else. They check their watch. You know, they're, they're physically there, but they've gone away. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's kind of what this can look like. Another big thing is making assumptions. So somebody says something and we assume they mean something by that. And, and so we run on the assumption and, and not really check in with what's going on. And so real love is really listening at a deep level. It's being present with people without making it wrong or bad and treating people as people with hopes, dreams, and fears just like us. That's what real love looks like in a relationship, and it takes effort, and it takes time, and it takes asking questions. A lot of times a person will say words and they seem pretty obvious, but what we're getting is totally different from what they said. I love the example. We've been reading a book called Love and Respect, and he gave a great example at the beginning. Uh, this guy is uh, hes sharing a story, personal story, the author, and he's, he's uh, trying to do his work in one room, and the radio is on in the next room over, and it's been kind of loud, and it's interfering with his work. And so he's thinking, maybe we could turn the radio off. So his thought is, I'd like to turn the radio off, but what he says is, are you listening to that? And he doesn't hear anything from his wife. And so he says it again a little bit louder. Are you listening to that? And she's still not responding. And he shouts even louder. Are you listening to that? And she says, I'm trying to listen, but you keep interrupting. So his words seemed pretty plain. Are you listening to that? He wanted a yes or a no. But what she was hearing was, hey, I think there's something important on the radio. You should be listening to it. And so 
what he said and meant was totally different from what she heard. And I think that's an example of what can happen so frequently. We think we're speaking very plainly and the other person is totally not getting the message that we just sent. And they're hearing something completely different. And so a part of deep listening is asking, so you said this, tell me more about that. What did you mean by that? And I think I just heard such and such, is that what you meant? And it sounds like it might be tedious, but if we don't do things like that, we'll be talking back and forth and totally not getting what the other person means. And we'll be hearing something completely different and we'll be responding and they'll not be hearing what we meant and we'll get done and the surprise will be that communication took place at all. <laughs> so that's something about deep listening. And a part of it is trying to get to the core of what we're thinking and expressing that. So here's a segment from a book called The Fifth Discipline, which we love. And they talk about how what we say and what we think are not always the same thing. And what we're saying is in response to what we're thinking, and we're not communicating very clearly. And so this is an example where a guy gave a presentation, and people are not really kind of sure about what he presented. And uh, so here it says, what I'm thinking is everyone says the presentation was a bomb. And so what I say is, how did the presentation go? And then I'm thinking, or he says, well, I don't know. It's really too early to tell. Besides, we're breaking new ground here. And so what I'm thinking is, does he really not know how bad it was? Or is he just not willing to face up to it? And so I say, well, what do you think we should do? I believe that the issues you're raising are important. And he says, well, I'm not so sure. Let's just wait and see what happens. And then what I'm thinking is he's really afraid to see the truth. If he only had more confidence, he could probably learn from a situation like this. I can't believe he doesn't realize how disastrous that presentation to our moving, or was to our moving ahead. And I've got to fun, find some way to light a fire under the guy. So I say, you might be right, but I think we may need to do more than just wait. And so you can see that what we're thinking is often not what it is we're saying. And this, this column here of what we're thinking is not communicated at all in this situation. And that so often happens in our interactions with people that what we're saying and what they're getting are not at all in alignment and it's good to check in. And the best way to do that is to be aware of trying to express what you're thinking. And if you're on the receiving end, ask questions to find out what the thought process is and not just stay with what was said. So I thank you for listening today. This was a great session on what real love looks like. You've been listening to The Impact Hour.